Right now we're going to transition into our lesson. And you know, for the past three weeks or so, we've, you know, we've had more kind of devotional thoughts and lessons really dealing with kind of the whole Corona thing and uh, how we've had to change how we do church and mm -hmm. different things like that. We're going to transition a little bit now away from that. Uh, we started at the beginning of the year trying to rebuild and reestablish on our foundation. And you remember that, yeah, you, you know, we had our foundation of Jesus and Jesus being the chief cornerstone of our faith and our life. And then after that, we built upon it, that foundation with discipleship. And uh, it's really kind of uh, timely that as soon as we finish talking about discipleship and being mm. involved in one another's life and one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. uh, Corona took out all everything else and left us with basically nothing but one-on-one -on -one and uh, different things like that. So that was really great. Gave us an opportunity to put those things uh, even more so into practice than we were. But now we're going to transition into the next building block, and that is the building block of prayer. And this, this lesson is going to be a little bit longer than our past. Uh, oh, there it is. Yeah, the, the prayer building block going on top there as we continue yeah. to build our, our, uh, our, our house, the temple of the Lord there on the foundation of Jesus. But the lesson will be a little bit longer than uh, our 15-minute devotional thoughts because we need to devote a little bit more time uh, to prayer. Prayer is, a, is an important thing. I mean, even in our society today, um, a society that seems to be getting more and more agnostic or more and more uh, maybe even atheistic or whatever, prayer seems is still a very prominent uh, and significant thing. There was an article in Newsweek magazine uh, once, an article kind of was, was, was exploring prayer and the prayer in our lives. It talked about, it said, this week, more people will pray than will go to work. Or will exercise, which probably would not be that impressive now. But back when that article was written, everybody was going to work. And he still said, though, more people pray than go to work or exercise. It said that over 50 percent, and actually it was 50, it was 57 percent of Americans still pray at least once a week. And of the 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 13% of Americans that would classify themselves as agnostic or atheistic, one in five of those people say they still pray every day. Now, I don't know who they're praying to or what they're doing, but, but they're praying. They're praying, mm -hmm. yeah, every mm -hmm. day. Prayer is an important part of people's lives. But what we're going to talk about this morning as we start to really introduce this subject is not uh, us praying on why we pray. We're going to try to focus in on why does God mm. want us to pray? What is God's so that when he tells us he wants us to pray? Okay, I want to share a scripture with you in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And, you know, it says here that God wants us to pray continually to all some versions to pray without giving up. And so the and I know that this can be a challenge because I know some of us can go, but why does God call me to pray when he already knows everything, when he already knows what I want and need? And on one hand, we are called to pray, but on the other, we are told that God already knows. And so in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 34, it says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. 
but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus said here that our Heavenly Father, that God knows what we need and that God will provide it. So so why pray? Yeah, so why pray? So what do you well, have to well, say? Well, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the question. And, and something I forgot to mention at the beginning of this, if you're on the, uh, the church website and, and watching there, you can click on the notes for this uh, lesson and you can follow along with the notes and, and take notes. But that's a good question because, I mean, what's God doing? Mm -hmm. Why is God saying, I want you to pray, but Jesus says, I already know, you know, God already knows what you need. And, and you think, and I go, is God just giving us busy work? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. like, like we used to do with our kids. And if you're honest, you know, you did this, you, you told your kids, Hey, why don't you do this? And what we're really doing is getting something that is just going to occupy our kids so we can go about doing what we really want to get done. So is that what God's doing? Is he just giving us busy work to pray? Uh, I, I don't think so. I'm convinced that God's so that, God's reason for asking us to pray, it's not to keep him abreast of the, what's going on locally and you know what's, what's happening in our lives. It's not that he needs to be reminded of things just in case he forgets. I think what God wants, what he's always wanted, is connection mm -hmm. and relationship. Yes. And when you think about relationship, with relationship, there's got to be conversation. There's yes. got to be that give and take. It, it doesn't matter even if you already know the content of the conversation. It doesn't matter. Uh, for there to be real relationship, there's more to communication than just facts and mm -hmm. lists. Mm -hmm. There's got to be heart, mm -hmm. emotion, yep. passion, sharing fears and joys. That's what brings two people closer together. Mm -hmm. I mean, facts, you, you can get facts from a list. You can get facts from a text. All right. But relationship, that takes taking something deeper. And so that's what I think really, really God's calling us to. Yeah. Let me, you know, I just think about like when our kids would go to school, would come home from school and every day I would ask, hey, how was yeah, your day? How was your day? Right? How was your day? Now, why do I care? Because they're my kids. Can I change their day? What happened to school? No, no, not necessarily. And but what I want is that connection. What I want is to be a part of their lives. I want them to tell me the good, the bad and the ugly that would happen in school. And I think that God wants the same with us. He wants to know everything about us because we're created in his image. He he handmade Adam. He didn't speak Adam into existence. He made Adam. And that's, I mean, it's just so, he was so intentional mm -hmm. about us. And then another, you know, just another example with God and how he wants us to uh, a, a, have a relationship with us. I, growing, when our kids were growing up, we would read Go Dog Go by oh, Dr. A, Seuss. That was one of my favorite books as a little kid as myself. I mean, that one's been around. It's been, it has. It's been around for a long time. And so you have our Tracy reading it. We read it to our kids. We read it to our grandkids. Now we've read this book so many times when they've times. spent, yes, through our lifetime. Now, are we curious about the ending? What will happen to the dogs? Will they go or will they not? Are we concerned about the boy dog that never seems to like the, the hat that the girl dog is wearing? What will happen? Will it work out? Well, no, we're really not because we know the answers. We know the end of the story. 
But what we want is to experience it through the eyes, the mind, and the imagination of the kids. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, we get to draw closer to them. We're making an emotional connection. And I think it's the same with God and with us. And I understand that most of us don't like thinking of us as being little kids, but we are. To God, we are. We're yes. little kids. We're yeah. children <laughs> of God. And I think that it's good for us to remember that. But you know what? God, he knows our needs. He knows our situations. He knows what's going to happen today, tomorrow, next week, next month, at the end of the year. He knows what's going to happen in the next generation. But what he wants, he wants to experience it with us. He wants to experience with you and with me. And we think about these things. Of, you know, God wants to know what's going on. Will he change the circumstances? Well, possibly he might. But then again, he might not. But that doesn't change the primary objective. See, God's not seeking our perspective or input as if he doesn't know what's going on or no one does. he doesn't know what to do. God's not sitting up in heaven going, what? There's a coronavirus going on? I, I did not know that. How did that get past me? Thank you for pointing that out, Tracy. I'll get right on that. That's not what's going on with God. All right. He may change the situation. He may not change the situation, and we may never know why one way mm, or the other. That's true. But that nothing takes, that doesn't take anything away from the shared experience. And that's what God's wanting with us, to share life with us. Mm -hmm. Our relationship with God is it's not a consumerist relationship. And the faith of a disciple, we understand it's not a consumerist faith. We're not here just to consume the blessings of Jesus, or just to consume the services of the church. We are participants. We are partners with God, not spectators of what God's doing in our life. And accordingly, we seek to interact with God, and He's seeking to interact with us as partners, as a relationship. He wants to experience life with us, life together with God. And not as our genie in a bottle to fix all of our problems or smooth out the rough edges. He wants to participate with us. He mm -hmm. wants to partner with us as a friend. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to just be our big, all-powerful, eternal benefactor. Because you know what? Even a benefactor, uh, even the most powerful and generous benefactor in the world is not the same as having a friend. And Jesus said in John 15, 15, I don't longer call you servants. I call you friends. friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's take a peek at God's heart. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, hmm. it reads, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And I just want to focus on the phrase, seek my face. And it's a phrase that's used to go deeper than just a servant as seeking a master for a request. It is seeking attention. It is seeking heart. It is seeking involvement. It is seeking relationship. And this is what God wants from us. This is what God seeks from us. Now, God 
Not that God doesn't know what's going on. He does. But what he wants is to connect with us and us with him on an emotional level about what's going on to where we can express our our hopes, our fears, our insecurities, um, where we can praise him and just lay everything at his feet and learn to trust and surrender. And, you know, one thing that we all like is like we when we talk to somebody, we want to do so face to face because a face to face conversation is best. And that's because, you know, what? we get to see people's reactions. We get to see them being excited or they're they're grieving with us. We get to see their expressions. We get to be closer. It just bonds our hearts when we're face to face and we get a more complete picture and we build a relationship when we're face to face. And you can talk to God all day long and never let him into your heart. You can never seek his face. And that's, but that's not what he wants. And that's just, and I don't think that's what we want. That's not what we were, we were created to be. God is moved by heart. God is moved by relationship. God is moved by connection. Yeah, when you think about what Phyllis was saying, God, God's moved by heart relationship and connection. I want to look at a couple of examples of when men who had a great relationship with God actually moved God to do something, to, to change situation. The first one is with uh, Abraham. It's in Genesis 18. And this is when Abraham is, is kind of negotiating with God, bargaining with God, if you will, for the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were known as incredibly ungodly, unrighteous, sinful cities to the point to where God had said enough I'm wiping these things out. Mm -hmm. And Abraham stepped in. He said, God, don't, well, well, you can't wipe these things out. Well, out of these two cities, what if I can find 50 righteous people, God? If I can find 50 righteous people, would you spare the cities? And God said, well, okay, all right, if you can find 50. And then Abraham goes, hey, well, what about 45? And God says, okay, well, I mean, you know, if you can find 45 righteous people, then, then, then I won't wipe them out. And then he goes on, he goes 40, 30, 20, 10. And he seems to be really changing God's mind and moving God uh, through this bargaining process uh, to change, you know, what he's going to do. And I'm, I ask myself, uh, what's going on here? And I've, I've asked myself this question Years, I can remember 30-something years ago, getting in a very deep conversation with a co-minister uh, way, way, way back. I mean, I'd been in the ministry all of two years, I think, or three years. I was a ripe old age of 21 and knew everything. And he was saying, nope, God doesn't change his mind. God, man can't change God's mind. God knew what he was doing all the time. And so I said, well, what was God doing then? Was was uh, did, did Abraham convince God of his error, of his ways? And mm -hmm. God says, wow, Abraham, you're right, man. Maybe I, I didn't think about it. You know what? Maybe I was being too harsh. Okay, if you can find 20. Oh, 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 that's even too harsh. You're right, Abraham. I, he couldn't grasp that. He thought, well, maybe what was happening, God was just stringing Abraham along. God knew what he was going to do the whole time. He was just stringing Abraham along for whatever reason. I don't know. I think it, when I think about God wanting relationship and connection, what I, I have to think is, what about, you know, God knew, he, he knew the truth about Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that. He knew that they weren't going to find 10 righteous people, much less 50. But he was moved by Abraham's heart, Abraham's desire, Abraham interceding, and Abraham's courage. It, it was, Abraham was so emotional about it, he was literally bargaining with God, which is a gutsy move. It is. And, uh, and God said, you know what? That's awesome, Abraham. You know what? I'll do it I'll, for, for your sake, because I'm connecting with you, Abraham. 
I'll do this. Mm -hmm. Because Abraham showed him his heart. Another example is in Numbers chapter 14, and this is with Moses. And uh, if you notice there on the, the slide, Moses looks an awful lot like Abraham. A lot of people didn't realize that they actually, <laughs> they, they were... They, were, uh, they looked a lot alike. But this is in, in Numbers 14, what was happening there with Moses. This was when Israel was really rebelling against God. And they had rejected Moses and Aaron. They said, we don't want you guys leading us anymore. We're going to pick some new leaders, and we're going back to Egypt after all God had done for them. They said, we were better off back in Egypt. Uh, they thought their life before God was actually better than their life with God, which was an insult. Uh, Caleb and, uh, and, and Joshua had stepped in there to try to defend Moses and defend God and encourage the people to, to, to stay with God. They threatened to kill them. They threatened to stone them because they dared to be faithful to God. Mm. And uh, in, in doing so, not only had they rejected Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua, they were rejecting God. And so God had said, once again, enough. Mm. You know, Mo, you take Aaron, you, you guys step aside. I'm going to wipe these people out. I'm done. I'm going to build a whole other nation with you. Okay. And your people. And, and, and Moses stepped in and said, God, you can't do that. No, God, please don't do that. Uh, everybody knows you brought them up out of Egypt. If you wipe them out, it's going to make you look bad and all of that stuff. And so God doesn't wipe them out. Now, he doesn't let them go into the promised land. He says, you, you can't do that. But he didn't just wipe them all out. And again, you ask, well, what's going on here? Did, did Moses really convince God this was a bad move? It was going to be bad PR? Was God really worried about his image and how people were going to think about him? Uh, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound like God. Was God just stringing Moses along? And he never intended to wipe them out. He wasn't ever going to kill them. He was just rattling Moses' cage or something. I don't know. That doesn't sound like God either. Now, I think, again, God was ready to wipe them out, but he was so moved by Moses' passion mm. and Moses' heart uh, and, and, and pleading with God to not do this, that God says, okay, Moses, for your sake, I won't do this. And we can see how that emotional connection that you talked about, Phyllis, that, mm. that, that pouring out of the heart, not just a request, but pouring out of the heart, that's what God seeks. And really, that's what moves God, is really seeing what's really going on inside us. And so this week, as we start this study on prayer, I want you to start thinking about your prayer lives a little bit deep, deep, differently. I want you to start thinking about it as an emotional connection with God more than just letting God know about your requests and your desires. I think about so many people that I've known, they, they've been raised in the church or uh, they've been around for a long time and they say, I don't, I don't really feel close to God. And I, I, I wonder if it's because, you know what, even in your prayer lives, it's just, it's just going through a list with God. It's just going through, this is what I want, God. Boom, 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 boom. And you're not opening up your heart to really try to connect in that relationship with God. And I want us to start thinking about prayer that way. Now, I still want you to lay your requests before the Lord, okay? Still, pour out your heart to God. Let, let Him know what's going on in your life, your needs, your wants, your desires, your fears, your joys. Again, those of you who are watching this service uh, through our website, you've got that link there that you can have a prayer request. You can go there. We want you to do that. God yeah. wants to know what's going on. And we're going to talk about that and making the request to God in, in, in later lessons. But right now, I really want you to think, even of those requests, 
Think of them more in terms of letting God into your heart and into your life more than just informing God of your agenda. Let him know what's happening. It's not just a list of prayer requests, but how do you really feel about those requests? How is it affecting your heart? How is it affecting your emotions? How is it affecting your life? Really let God into it, not just, God, do this for me, do this for me, but what is it really going on in your life? When you're praising God, it's not just letting him into, oh, I praise you for this, but how does it make you feel that God is this? Mm -hmm. God is doing this. God is this powerful. And I, and I want you to be able to, to, to do that and touch. I want us to move away from treating God like, we, Phyllis and I were talking about this this morning. Sometimes we treat God like a scratch-off ticket. You know, he may answer it, he may not. You know, I may win, I may not. But you know what? Hey, never hurts to try, right? If you're not in it, you can't win it. So we just treat God as a, as a kind of an eternal scratch-off ticket. I'm going to lay my request before him. He may answer him, he may not. But, you know, if I don't pray, he's not going to do it. So don't treat God that way. Mm. Try to connect with him on a heart level, on an emotional level. Letting him into your innermost thoughts and how these things are affecting your life. Truly, not just your agenda, but seek his face like he has asked us to. Now, we're going to transition right now, and we're going to have a time. Uh, we're going to have a worship video here in just a minute that actually our worship team here in the Champaign Church put together uh, as we transition a time to take communion. And they're going to sing the song, I Need Thee Every Hour. And this is a very special song, and I want us to think about, again, like we did last week, Jesus in the Garden. And yes, Jesus had a request of God but it was more than just an agenda, Jesus saying, this is what I want from you, God. Jesus needed God. He wanted to feel that connection with God, that closeness with God, that even if God didn't grant the request, it doesn't matter. I'm still connected with you, God. God knew everything that was going on in his heart. He said, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He was saying that to God, too, not just to the brothers that he asked to pray with him. He was letting God into his heart, and God came to him. And so I want us to think about that as we think about our prayer lives, mm -hmm. as we think about Jesus, as we go into communion. It's not just, God, I need you to do this, 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 this. Just thinking, no, God, I need you every hour. And as we take communion, let's think about these, thought, these thoughts during this song as we seek God's face. <laughs> 